Spookies, and welcome back to the Appalachian Spooky Hour, or just welcome if you're new here. I'm Sam, your host, and tonight we're venturing to Asheville, North Carolina, to a place called the Highland Hospital. Before we venture there, I just want to take a moment to thank all of you for listening. We really hope that you'll enjoy the new weekly format, which allows us to bring you even more spooky tales from Appalachia. If you'd like to help us keep the podcast going, feel free to subscribe to this channel on Spotify and even contribute a monthly donation. It is, of course, not required, but every little bit helps keep this channel funded. All right, on to the haunts. In 1904, Dr. Robert S. Carroll founded and built the Highland Hospital in the Montford Historic District of Asheville. The hospital was built to help take care of the mentally ill and those who suffered from what was then called nervous disease. Originally called Dr. Carroll's Sanatorium, the name was changed in 1912, though Carroll would keep control of the hospital until he eventually left his work there in 1939. He donated the hospital to Duke University upon his departure when he stepped into the role of the school's medical director which he retained until around 1945. Carol, a very well-thought-of psychiatrist, was very different from his contemporaries of the time, who often preferred rather inhumane methods of treating mentally ill patients. Carol, despite those rather abusive treatments being the norm at the time, went with methods such as exercise, diet, and different forms of therapies to treat his patients. That's not to say, however, that some of the treatments carried out at Highland were not rather cruel and brutal and would definitely not be acceptable in similar hospital settings today. Dr. Carroll played a big part in the introduction of electroshock therapy, which was used then in hopes of curing mental illness and he also very much was a champion of the use of insulin injections and injections of horse blood, which were administered directly into a patient's spinal column. These were just two of the typical treatments of the time that were genuinely thought to help aid in various mental illnesses. Of course, now we know that's not true. But it's hard to imagine a time when it was thought that horse blood injected into a patient's spinal column would cure them of depression. But I digress. He also strongly believed in hiring former patients who he thought were cured to work in the hospital. This was clearly a very bad idea as it often resulted in patients being mistreated by their previous peers, and, well, it meant a staff of quote-unquote crazies were literally running the asylum. Highland Hospital was quite well regarded, despite some of its unusual practices, and played host to some famous folks in its time. Both country queen Patsy Cline and musician James Taylor were treated at Highland, but perhaps the most famous person to have been treated here was Zelda Fitzgerald. For those who don't know, Zelda was the wife of famous author F. Scott Fitzgerald, 
and she made her way to Highland in 1936, where she stayed off and on until 1940. She eventually returned for further treatment in 1943, 1946, and eventually 1947. We know now that Zelda likely suffered from schizophrenia, and she was housed on the top floors of the hospital, where the worst patients were traditionally kept in more high-security quarters. Poor Zelda had spent time in and out of mental health facilities, including hospitals in Switzerland and France over the years. She became obsessed with the idea of being a professional dancer, as she had studied ballet as a child. Her friends weren't so sure about her newfound ambition, and her husband often dismissed her notion of becoming a ballerina as nothing but a waste of time. She began to practice dancing up to eight hours a day, and it's believed that this grueling schedule she put herself on really could have played a part in her eventual mental decline. While she was in a facility in Baltimore, Maryland, Zelda wrote an actual novel called Save Me the Last Waltz. She sent her novel off to her husband's publisher, and it was actually released. The novel was semi-biographical and was more or less about Zelda's marriage to Scott. He read the novel, discovered the parallels to their actual life, and he became infuriated. His response was to berate poor Zelda in his own writing, writing a similar story to hers, which became his novel, Tender is the Night. Zelda's novel was a total flop, and I can definitely see how these things culminated in her first four-year stint at Highland. Her novel totally bombed, and her husband's response was to treat her like garbage. This all culminated in Scott having an affair, and his resentment towards his wife continued to grow. Though he did break off the affair, the damage was ultimately done. The couple made a trip to Cuba in 1938, not knowing that would be the last time they'd ever see each other. While on this trip, Scott was brutally beaten and hospitalized, and Zelda returned to Highland Hospital. After her release in 1940, her husband passed away in Los Angeles from a massive heart attack, and three years after that, Zelda returned one last time to Highland, where she would spend her remaining years. By now you might be wondering what all of this has to do with Highland Hospital being haunted. I promise we're getting to that. Just stick with me, guys. On March 10th, 1948, in the hospital's central building, a fire broke out. Zelda had been scheduled to have an electroshock therapy treatment and was locked in her room on a high floor. The fire quickly spread from the kitchen and actually traveled up the shaft for the dumbwaiter and spread through the entire building. The fire escapes were made of wood, a clearly terrible choice, and they were very quickly destroyed. The windows either had bars or were locked shut with heavy chains, as were the doors and the corridors. What was supposed to be about patient safety quickly became their demise. Because of these circumstances, nine women on those top floors died in the fire, 
including poor Zelda Fitzgerald. They identified her body by dental records and a lone slipper that survived the fire. There's been a ton of speculation over the years over what actually caused the fire. Some have said that Zelda herself set the fire, though we can pretty much rule that out as a possibility since she was locked in her room upstairs. Some say it was faulty wiring, others believed it was a staff member. It's not hard to imagine that was possibly the cause, considering there were former patients hired to work in the hospital. All it would take is one firebug, who wasn't quite as well off as the good doctor had believed, and the whole building's ablaze. Regardless, the coroner's jury ruled that there was negligence, but not to the extent to be classed as culpable negligence. Meaning, more or less, nobody got blamed for this fire. Even though there is speculation that one particular patient did set the blaze. There is belief that the night supervisor, Willie Mae Hall, one of Dr. Carroll's supposedly cured patients, who now worked in the hospital, gave sedative to the other patients she didn't particularly like, and then locked their doors. She set the fire in the kitchen, which quickly spread. There was even a nurse who discovered the fire as it spread to the dumbwaiter. This woman was named Doris, and she smelled the smoke, went into the kitchen where she saw the flames. Rather than attempt to put it out or start immediately evacuating patients, she ran back out, shut the door, and ran to the nurse's station on the fourth floor. She made a call to Oak Lodge first, which is what Willie May Hall, our former patient-slash-night supervisor, had told her to do. In an emergency, don't immediately call for help. Call Oak Lodge first. So she calls them. The operator tells her the line is busy. Then she decides to have them call the fire department to report the emergency. Once this call's made, Doris and Willie, our would-be arsonist, began to evacuate people from the building. It took 25 minutes for the fire department to arrive at the scene, and by then it was too little too late. Zelda and the other patients on the fifth floor were already taken by the fast-spreading fire. After the fire, Duke University held onto the property until it was sold sometime in the 80s. Today, what remains of the hospital are part of a recovery home for teenagers and young adults who are struggling. It's also still home to Zelda Fitzgerald, who walks the campus at her leisure, just as she did when she was a patient at Highland Hospital. One former employee is reported to have had a run-in with Zelda long after her death. He claims that she looked at him like she was trying hard to remember his name, as though she was still there in 1938 and he was just another employee of the mental hospital that once stood there. Some folks also report seeing the spirit of a young man who's believed to have died at the hospital long before the fire in another unrelated incident. If Zelda's still there, walking the grounds of the former hospital where she spent quite a few years of her life and where she subsequently died, I hope she's okay. 
or, well, as okay as a specter who's haunting a place like that can be. It's not unusual, not just in Appalachia, but across the country and even the world, that we hear ghost stories about these types of places like Highland Hospital, you know, Waverly Hills, Trans-Allegheny Lunatic Asylum, Penhurst. You know, there's so many of these places that just were super harsh and brutal to the people who were there. They were not good to the patients. They treated them as less than human. In some cases, they were treated kind of just like a science experiment. They were trying out all these new methods and medications and, you know, trials to see what worked, what didn't, and you were just a consequence of their need for discovery. I think of all the places in the world that are likely to be truly haunted by these people who were just so tormented would be these places. You know, even places like Waverly where, you know, you weren't being held against your will because of mental illness. You know, these people were genuinely sick with tuberculosis, but they still did these experimental procedures and all these things they thought would keep you alive. And sometimes they just ended in a very cruel and unusual death. And even though, you know, maybe the doctors didn't have that in mind and didn't want to cause your demise, you know, I can see why people might stay and haunt these places. It's not the same as dying peacefully at home in your own bed. You know, they were doing terrible things to people in a lot of these places, and the circumstances were just horrific. And even at Highland Hospital, where Dr. Carroll was trying more, at the time, unconventional methods, which were not as cruel. You know, he believed going for walks, getting fresh air, you know, going through recovery and being given a job, that these things helped. And I'm sure that they did. But they were still doing electroshock therapy on people. And, you know, the horse blood thing. I can't imagine what the repercussions were of things like that. Injecting a human with animal blood into their spinal column. I didn't really look up side effects of that. Because part of me just doesn't want to know. Because it couldn't have been anything good. And poor uh, Zelda Fitzgerald... There are a lot of reports of people seeing her ghost on the grounds of what were once Highland Hospital. I can imagine why she would still be there because her life was fraught with just unimaginable pain. You know, she was likely schizophrenic at a time when we knew very little about her schizophrenia, you know, her, her problem, her disease, her mental illness. Her husband treated her horribly it was okay for him to air his, you know, personal thoughts on their marriage and all of their dirty laundry in his novels. But when Zelda did it, he retaliated just to further cause her mental anguish. Then he passed away and she goes back into Highland Hospital and she never leaves again. Because no matter what he did to her, I'm sure she loved him. And losing him pushed her over an edge. I don't know that if the fire hadn't happened that Zelda would have walked out of there. And even if she had, would she have still been a whole person? 
considering the treatments they were doing on her at the time. Willie Mae Hall likely was the arsonist. I didn't elaborate too much earlier, but, you know, she actually went before the coroner's jury. It was in newspapers. People are very confident that she set the fire, but she never got punished for it. But the question is, should she have been punished for it? Dr. Carroll decided she was well, gave her a job there, and this was likely the result. He probably never considered that not all the patients would like each other, that there was possibly bad blood that people didn't get along, or that maybe she wasn't cured. You know, her psychosis probably did not lend itself for her to have a job in a place like this. And there's just, I don't know, I have a lot of thoughts about the spookies. Just that people were treated very cruelly then, especially people with mental illnesses of all kinds. I mean, we're talking about a period in time, too, when husbands could have their wives locked up just by saying, oh, she's she's got women's trouble, she's, she's got a mental illness, when really there was nothing wrong with her, he just wanted to get rid of her, you know, it... It makes sense to me why these sorts of places are very likely to be haunted by former patients, former staff, people that were just there living their lives and terrible things happened to them. And we see the same sort of things in old prisons and reformatories where you had people locked in solitary confinement for months at a time, in the dark, alone, or people were beaten and brutalized, and it was okay back then. You know, it was never okay, but it was just a different time when things like that were just more accepted than they would be today. And it's sad to imagine anyone being trapped forever in this endless cycle of pain and suffering. So I really do hope that if Zelda Fitzgerald is still at Highland Hospital walking the grounds, that she's at least content in the endless loop that she is stuck in. Because nobody should have to suffer through life and then still suffer after they're gone. All right, Spookies, that's all for this one. The next time you hear from the Appalachian Spooky Hour, we will be coming to you live from the Farnsworth House Inn in Gettysburg next Wednesday night. I'm not totally sure on a time right now. I'm trying to peg that down when I know I will post it on our Instagram. Go over there and follow us. We're Appalachian Spooky Hour. That's where you can usually keep up with what we're doing. We'll be making lots of road trip posts. It's going to be a great time. Tons of spooky content for you guys. We are so excited to bring you along with this. But until then, remember, don't go outside alone after dark.